the Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. Here we are. Thank you, folks, for joining us. This is the Bible Live, your chance to hear the entire Bible every night. <laughs> Speed reading to the nth degree. No, we do hear the entire Bible, but it's every year. Tonight we will complete the book of Ezra. It's a relatively short book, Ezra is. It is the story of the return of about 50,000 Jewish people returning from Babylon from the 70 years of exile. It started out under Nebuchadnezzar to Cyrus to Darius to Xerxes. Another name for Xerxes is Ahasuerus. You'll see that in the text at times, Ahasuerus, Xerxes. And then Artaxerxes I comes in as well. Xerxes, of course, was Esther's husband. We'll be reading about Esther as we finish the book of Nehemiah. Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Tonight we'll be picking up in chapter 8, verse 33, this risky, dangerous journey all the way back from Babylon to Israel to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And so we'll pick up in chapter 8 with Ezra and we'll finish the book. Right now, though, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment. We always read from the Psalms and the Proverbs tonight from Psalm 91. Very appropriate reading for the time of Ezra, Nehemiah, and very appropriate for the times we're living in today. God's protection for his people in the middle of danger. He doesn't promise a world free from danger, but he does promise his help when we face that danger. The Bible Life. Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare of the Lord. He alone is my refuge my place of safety. He is my God, and I am trusting Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from the fatal plague. He will shield you with His wings. He will shelter you with His feathers. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. 
Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor fear the dangers of the day, nor dread the plague that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. But you will see it with your eyes. You will see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your dwelling. For He orders His angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you with their hands to keep you from striking your foot on a stone. You will trample down lions and poisonous snakes. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. I will satisfy them with a long life and give them my salvation. End of reading Psalm 91. to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Nice voice, that fellow, and a great, great song. Very consistent with the psalm reading from tonight's A Wisdom and Worship segment, this Psalm 91 about God's protection for His people in the midst of danger. A very great comfort to all of us. Psalm 91 is the passage where many people talk about guardian angels. One of the functions of the angels is to watch over believers, according to Hebrews chapter 1. And there are examples of guardian angels in the scriptures in 1 Kings chapter 19, Daniel chapter 6, Matthew chapter 18, Luke 16, Acts 12. There isn't any indication that each one of us have one angel that is assigned to each believer, but it is a wonderful and a great comfort to know that God watches over us. This is also the passage that Satan quotes to Jesus when he tempts him in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Remember in the temptation, he says, God said, if you stub your toe, he won't let anything happen to you. So throw yourself off of the temple here. And Jesus said, the Bible says not to tempt the Lord our God. A great lesson for us from that particular passage tonight. Right now, though, let's turn to the book of Ezra. We're going to pick up now as Ezra is working with the people of Israel, rebuilding the city, rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the altar, rebuilding their national life. Tonight, they confront a tremendous problem, intermarriage with other groups and its effect on the community. Ezra 8.33 through Nehemiah 2.20. Ezra 8. On the fourth day after our arrival, the silver, gold, and other valuables were weighed at the temple of our God and entrusted to Merimoth, son of Uriah the priest, and to Eleazar, son of Phinehas, along with Josabad, son of Jeshua, and Noadiah, son of Benui, both of whom were Levites. Everything was accounted for by number and weight, and the total weight was officially recorded. Then the exiles who had returned from captivity sacrificed burnt offerings to the God of Israel. They presented 12 oxen for the people of Israel, as well as 96 rams and 77 lambs. They also offered 12 goats as a sin offering. All this was given as a burnt offering to the Lord. The king's decrees were delivered to his lieutenants and the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River. 
who then cooperated by supporting the people and the temple of God. Ezra 9. But then the Jewish leaders came to me and said, Many of the people of Israel, and even some of the priests and Levites, have not kept themselves separate from the other peoples living in the land. They have taken up the detestable practices of the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians, and Amorites. For the men of Israel have married women from these people, and have taken them as wives for their sons. So the holy race has become polluted by these mixed marriages. To make matters worse, the officials and leaders are some of the worst offenders. When I heard this, I tore my clothing, pulled hair from my head and beard, and sat down, utterly shocked. Then all who trembled at the words of the God of Israel came and sat with me because of this unfaithfulness of his people. And I sat there, utterly appalled, until the time of the evening sacrifice. At the time of the sacrifice, I stood up from where I had sat in mourning with my clothes torn. I fell to my knees, lifted my hands to the Lord my God. I prayed, Oh, my God, I am utterly ashamed. I blush to lift up my face to you, for our sins are piled higher than our heads, and our guilt has reached to the heavens. Our whole history has been one of great sin. That is why we and our kings and our priests have been at the mercy of the pagan kings of the land. We have been killed, captured, robbed, and disgraced, just as we are today. But now we have been given a brief moment of grace. For the Lord our God has allowed a few of us to survive as a remnant. He has given us security in this holy place. Our God has brightened our eyes and granted us some relief from our slavery, for we were slaves. But in His unfailing love, our God did not abandon us in our slavery. Instead, He caused the kings of Persia to treat us favorably. He revived us so that we were able to rebuild the temple of our God and repair its ruins. He has given us a protective wall in Judah and Jerusalem. And now... Oh, our God, what can we say after all of this? For once again we have ignored your commands. Your servants, the prophets, warned us that the land we would possess was totally defiled by the detestable practices of the people living there. From one end to the other, the land is filled with corruption. You told us not to let our daughters marry their sons, and not to let our sons marry their daughters and not to help those nations in any way. You promised that if we avoided these things, we would become a prosperous nation. You promised that we would enjoy the good produce of the land and leave this prosperity to our children as an inheritance forever. Now we are being punished because of our wickedness and our great guilt. But we have actually been punished far less than we deserve. For you, our God, have allowed some of us to survive as a remnant. But now we are again breaking your commands and intermarrying with people who do these detestable things. Surely your anger will destroy us until even this little remnant no longer survives. Oh, Lord, God of Israel, you are just. We stand before you in our guilt as nothing but an escaped remnant. Though in such a condition, none of us can stand in your presence. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Ezra 10. 
While Ezra prayed and made this confession, weeping and throwing himself to the ground in front of the temple of God, a large crowd of people from Israel, men, women, and children, gathered and wept bitterly with him. Then Shechaniah, son of Jehiel, a descendant of Elam, said to Ezra, We confess that we have been unfaithful to our God, for we have married these pagan women of the land. But there is hope for Israel in spite of this. Let us now make a covenant with our God to divorce our pagan wives and to send them away with their children. We will follow the advice given by you and by the others who respect the commands of our God. We will obey the law of God. Take courage, for it is your duty to tell us how to proceed in setting things straight, and we will cooperate fully. So Ezra stood up and demanded that the leaders of the priests and the Levites and all the people of Israel swear that they would do as Shechaniah had said. And they all swore a solemn oath. Then Ezra left the front of the temple of God and went to the room of Jehohanan, son of Eliashib. He spent the night there, but he did not eat any food or drink. He was still in mourning because of the unfaithfulness of the returned exiles. Then a proclamation was made throughout Judah and Jerusalem that all the returned exiles should come to Jerusalem. Those who failed to come within three days would, if the leaders and elders so decided, forfeit all their property and be expelled from the assembly of the exiles. Within three days, all the people of Judah and Benjamin had gathered in Jerusalem. This took place on December 19th, and all the people were sitting in the square before the temple of God. They were trembling, both because of the seriousness of the matter and because it was raining. Then Ezra the priest stood and said to them, You have sinned, for you have married pagan women. Now we are even more deeply under condemnation than we were before. Confess your sin to the Lord, the God of your ancestors, and do what he demands. Separate yourselves from the people of the land and from these pagan women. Then the whole assembly raised their voices and answered, Yes, you are right. We must do as you say. Then they added, This isn't something that can be done in a day or two, for many of us are involved in this extremely sinful affair. This is the rainy season, so we cannot stay out here much longer. Let our leaders act on behalf of us all. Everyone who has a pagan wife will come at the scheduled time with the leaders and judges of his city so that the fierce anger of our God may be turned away from us concerning this affair. Only Jonathan, son of Asahel, and Jazaiah, son of Tikvah, opposed this course of action, and Meshulam and Shabbatai the Levite supported them. So this was the plan that they followed. Ezra selected leaders to represent their families, designating each of the representatives by name. On December 29th, the leaders sat down to investigate the matter. By March 27th of the next year, they had finished dealing with all the men who had married pagan wives. These are the priests who had married pagan wives. From the family of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, and his brothers, Maaseiah, Eliezer, Jarib, and Gedaliah, they vowed to divorce their wives, and they each acknowledged their guilt by offering a ram as a guilt offering. From the family of Emer, Hanani, and Zebediah. From the family of Harim, Maaseiah, Elijah, Shemaiah, Jehiel, and Uzziah. From the family of Pashur, Elioenai, Maaseiah, Ishmael, Nethanel, Josabad, and Elasah. These are the Levites who were guilty. Josabad, Shimei, Kelaiah, also called Kelida, Pethahiah, Judah, and Eliezer. 
This is the singer who was guilty, Eliashib. These are the gatekeepers who were guilty, Shalom, Telem, and Uri. These are the other people of Israel who were guilty, from the family of Parosh, Ramiah, Isaiah, Malkijah, Mijamin, Eliezer, Hashabiah, and Benaiah. From the family of Elam, Mataniah, Zechariah, Jehiel, Abdi, Jeremoth, and Elijah. From the family of Zatu, Elioenai, Eliashib, Mataniah, Jeremoth, Zabad, and Aziza. From the family of Bebai, Jehohanan, Hananiah, Zabai, and Athlai. From the family of Bani, Meshulam, Maluk, Araiah, Jashub, Sheal, and Jeremoth. From the family of Pahath Moab, Adna, Kelal, Benaiah, Maaseiah, Mataniah, Bezalel, Benui, and Manasseh. From the family of Harim, Eliezer, Ishijah, Malkijah, Shemaiah, Shimeon, Benjamin, Maluk, and Shemariah. From the family of Hashum, Matanai, Matata, Zabad, Eliphalet, Jeremiah, Manasseh, and Shimei. From the family of Bani, Maadai, Amram, Yuel, Benaiah, Benaiah, Keluhi, Vaniah, Merimoth, Eliashib, Mataniah, Matanai, and Jasu. From the family of Benui, Shimei, Shelemiah, Nathan, Araiah, Maknadebai, Sheshai, Sharai, Azarel, Shelemiah, Shemariah, Shalom, Amariah, and Joseph. From the family of Nebo, Jeiel, Matathiah, Zabad, Zebina, Jadai, Joel, and Benaiah. Each of these men had a pagan wife, and some even had children by these wives. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The Book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah 1. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In late autumn of the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had survived the captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been burned. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, laws, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you sin, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. We are your servants, the people you rescued by your great power and might. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success now as I go to ask the king for a great favor. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Nehemiah 2 
Early the following spring, during the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never appeared sad in his presence before this time. So the king asked me, Why are you so sad? You aren't sick, are you? You look like a man with deep troubles. Then I was badly frightened, but I replied, Long live the king. Why shouldn't I be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been burned down. The king asked, Well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it please your majesty, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? So the king agreed, and I set a date for my departure. I also said to the king, If it please your majesty, give me letters to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please send a letter to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests, because the gracious hand of God was on me. When I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letters to them. The king, I should add, had sent along army officers and horsemen to protect me. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of my arrival, they were very angry that someone had come who was interested in helping Israel. Three days after my arrival at Jerusalem, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us, except the donkey that I myself was riding. I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So I went up the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. The city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the religious and political leaders, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to them, You know full well the tragedy of our city. It lies in ruins, and its gates are burned. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and rid ourselves of this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me, and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, Good, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing, rebelling against the king like this? They asked. But I replied, The God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no stake or claim in Jerusalem. End of reading, Ezra 8.33 through Nehemiah 2.20. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. This is the Bible live. Thou shalt not go away. Book of Ezra tonight. We finished up the book of Ezra and went right on into the first two chapters of the book of Nehemiah, both books in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament of your Bible. 
in the final chapters now, we see Ezra praying before the people, confessing sins of the people. It was clearly mandated to the people of Israel that they were not to intermarry with unbelievers, with pagan, unbelieving people. Now, obviously, people from other culture groups and other nation groups could accept and follow the God of Israel, the true and living God, and could marry into the nation of Israel. Think of Rahab, Ruth, even in the scriptures. That wasn't a problem, but it was the, the idea of marrying into the life of pagan, unbelieving people who continued to worship the false pagan gods. This would be a distraction from worshiping the true and living God. It would compromise their commitment to their God. Back in the times of Deuteronomy, this was a principle that had been set forth, a command that God had given for the people of Israel. Just as it is for us, by the way, as God's people today, it is very important who you marry or who you date, because you're probably going to end up marrying someone that you date. That's why we encourage our children as believing parents, as families that follow the Lord, we encourage our children to date and marry other young men and women who know and love the Lord. The church in Corinth was an example where this compromise had taken place, causing tremendous problems in the fellowship of the congregation. Young people, as you're thinking about dating and marrying, if you want to be faithful and true to the living God, he has to be the priority of your life. And that's why the Bible says not to be unequally yoked together in commitment and compromise with people who do not share your faith in God. All kinds of co-commitments that we make with people, but it would especially be relevant for marriage as well. And that's what we see here in the last chapter of Ezra. Ezra is dealing with a whole group, including some of the leaders. Now, it wasn't that large, only 113 out of 29,000 families. But still, this was a serious matter, as you can imagine, having to leave that spouse as a sign of their commitment to the Lord. Now, Ezra gave strong leadership. How crucial it is that there be leaders who are willing to lead not only by their words, but also by their action and their example. I was just visiting with Barry as we were listening uh, to this passage about marriage and about how crucial and vital marriage is to the life of an individual. And uh, we were just talking about a Hollywood couple recently that that's going through a great crisis and both have lived a very godless lifestyle and a very unfaithful lifestyle. And in that context, it's an incredible miracle, a wonder, an amazing thing when any of them are able to stay together. Marriage is hard enough even for a couple who loves the Lord and commit to one another. There's only the power of God that draws them together and draws them to remain faithful and to remain committed. God is the secret to marriages. Of course, we've seen that tonight in Ezra. We'll see it in Nehemiah. As they are rebuilding the nation, the home takes a central the emphasis. Bible Live see you next Sophie time. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today and in one year's time we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.